0: a question perhaps not exactly in that form, but a question that you've likely given some thought to at different periods in your life. You have thought about, just tried to wrap your mind around what you want in life, what you want to get out of your life, what you want your life to look like, so on a an article posted on a news site that was written by a therapist shared nine things that people really want in life and the therapist followed that up by saying so don't go looking for anything else seek for these nine things see if any of them match up with what you might say to be loved to be understood to have power, to have attention, to have freedom, to create, to belong, to win, to connect. At least, in this therapist mind. These are the nine things that people really want in life. Sometimes people crave out of life something that. You might say, is a little more concrete, something you can actually get your hands on, like, for example, money. You know, in life, I just like to, to have some money, to be comfortable. Some people might say, you know, as I look on in my life, I, I just really want to get married. That's what I want for my life. Some people might simply say, to be happy. Whatever that looks like, I just want to be happy. What do you really want in life? Perhaps some of these things resonate with you. Perhaps you thought of something else. And then there may be some things that without even thinking about it, we would say, you know, I do really want that in life. The night that Jesus was born, in Luke chapter 2, an angel followed by an angelic host appeared to shepherds in the hills outside Bethlehem with a message. That in Bethlehem that night they would find lying in a manger The Savior, the promised Messiah. And the message that was given was glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Perhaps without even realizing it. Something that I think we would all admit we want in life is peace. Peace. Over the course of these next several weeks, we're going to consider peace and ask ourselves the question is peace missing? In my life. You know, when those angels appeared to the shepherds outside Bethlehem, they did not say grace and prosperity or power or riches or fame. They pronounced peace on earth. Throughout the New Testament, we find in introductions to letters and benedictions this thought peace be with you. Go in peace. Grace and peace be with you. When we look at our world, the reality is, though we believe the Savior has come, it's hard to see evidence of a whole lot of peace. Would you agree with that tonight? Hard to see peace. Peace. But we don't even have to look out at the world, do we? We can look in our own homes, in our own lives, day by day, week by week. And there may be times where it is difficult to identify peace. We want peace. Wouldn't you say that tonight? I want peace. But often we experience anxiety, we experience tension, we experience fear. These are all the opposite of peace. We look at our relationships, friends and family. There are times where there are misunderstandings, disagreement, feelings are hurt, there, there may be unforgiveness. These all work against peace when what we really want in life is peace. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 26 tonight. I want you to see what the prophet has to tell us in Isaiah chapter 26. And as you are looking to this text, understand the context what Isaiah says this in the midst of. I don't know if your Bible has titles in the chapters, but as you look back before Isaiah 26 in this book, you'll find that several chapters preceding Isaiah 26, Isaiah is declaring oracles of judgment directed to several different nations and cities, Jerusalem is included in that. Even in Isaiah 24, the chapter at the heading of my Bible reads like this, judgment on the whole earth. Doesn't sound much like peace, does it? Then in Isaiah 25, there's this little bit of a transition as Isaiah speaks of the one who can sing to God even in the middle of all of that? The one who can praise God even in the midst of tribulation. And then as we come to Isaiah 26, he's continuing in that vein of a song that is sung in the land of Judah in a strong city. He speaks of salvation of God, not only for the people, but even for the walls and for the bulwarks. the built structures of that place and what you're reading in Isaiah 26 is the reality of a Messiah who has come and brought salvation with him and Isaiah says these words in that day Isaiah 26 verse 1 shall this song be sung in the land of Judah we have a strong city Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou, speaking of God, wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now get what Isaiah says. He he gives us a promise, doesn't he? You, God, will keep him who? The one whose mind is stayed on God, the one who trusts in God, you will keep him in what? Perfect peace. Now we all want peace, right? Is there anyone here who says, you know, pastor, that's not a need or a desire in my life. I don't care. Of course not. We all want peace. But here we have a promise from God, not just peace, but what? Perfect peace. But the reality is we're all more familiar with what we might call imperfect peace. What do you mean by that? We may have moments in our lives where things come up. Those things that would naturally cause anxiety, tension, fear, all those things that work against peace. And we may have moments of peace. We take it to God and we pray about it. And we walk away, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm it at peace. God, I'm trusting you. And then just minutes later, God, where are you? What is this? What's going on? And suddenly, we're not at peace anymore. Have you ever been there? Almost a moment-by-moment transition and change away from peace to trouble and difficulty. Have you ever had a day start this way where... You get up, and you spend time with the Lord, and you feel great, and then you walk out of your room, and it all falls apart. You walk out of the house and get in the car, and it all falls apart. Maybe it's because the car falls apart. You're at peace, but then suddenly you're not. That is not perfect peace. But that's exactly what God promises to keep in perfect peace. It's very interesting if you look at this text in the Hebrew, the original language that the Old Testament was penned in, what you find is thou wilt keep him in, and then there is a Hebrew word that's repeated, thou wilt keep him in shalom, shalom. It's not, a, it's not a mistake in the text. It's purposeful and meaningful. The word shalom, we often think of it because it is a traditional Jewish greeting. It can be used as people meet each other or as they, they depart from one another. They may use this at both times. And there will even be times in greeting that they will repeat it twice, shalom, shalom. What does it mean? We often think of it simply as peace, but it means more than that. It is wholeness. It is completeness. It is fullness of peace. One Bible preacher and teacher says it this way, Shalom is the idea of when everything is as it should be. Everything is completely as it should be. You think back to when God first created the world and he placed all of his creation in a utopian paradise in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned and plunged all of humanity in the world into a fallen state. It was as it should be. It was exactly as God designed it to be. It was shalom. And we find it repeated here. In the Hebrew, the term being repeated shows intensity. It's shalom. It's not simply peace. It is perfect peace. A wholeness, a completeness, a fullness of peace. Now, I want you to catch this because it appears even in the context. Peace doesn't mean... There's no trouble and no problems. Isaiah had just finished speaking oracles against different nations and cities, including the city of Jerusalem. He writes here in verse 1 about the land of Judah. Well, guess what? Jerusalem is in Judah. In chapter 25, into chapter 26, Again, he's writing about the person who can sing songs of praise to God even in the midst of tribulation. So get this, friends. Peace does not mean the absence of problems. Peace is not just about how you might feel when your life is at ease. That's not truly peace. Peace Is not about the absence of problems Rather peace is about living in the presence of God You see you might think well I'm at peace Because there's nothing going awry in my life I'm at peace because I'm not having any difficulties or problems right now But then when you face difficulties and problems everything falls apart Friend that's not being at peace Peace isn't about not having problems. It's about living life in the presence of God. It's about having God's perspective, having God's assurance, even in the middle of problems. Even when your marriage is not what it should be, even when your children walk away, even when there is some spiritual struggle perhaps going on in your life, even when you've been betrayed, even when you're dealing with physical pain and hurt, even when you are, you are sick, even when you're struggling to pay the bills, you can still be at peace. Because peace isn't about the absence of problems, it's about the presence of God. How is this true? Because the battle for peace actually begins in your mind. Notice how Isaiah identifies this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose what? Mind is stayed on thee. The battle for peace begins in your mind. What are you dwelling on? What are your thoughts about? One writer said it this way, To be kept in this perfect peace, it is a matter of our mind. It's not so much a matter of our spirit or our soul or our heart, it's a matter of our mind. Throughout the Word of God, we find things like we are to love the Lord our God with all our mind. We are transformed By the renewing of our mind, we can and should have the mind of Christ. We are not to set our mind on earthly things. Rather, we are to set our mind on things above. The Christian life is not an unthinking life of just doing or experiencing, but it is also about thinking where we set our mind is essential in our walk before the Lord. And if we're to experience this perfect peace, we need to understand that it begins in our mind. And notice what Isaiah doesn't say. Catch this. Perfect peace comes to all whose minds are stayed on CNN, Fox News, the political arena, the future the financial problems, the bad news. Isn't that often where we tend to dwell, though? We tend to live in the presence of those things. We tend to focus on and and give the majority of our thoughts to those things. And do you know what? You're not going to find peace there. But by the way, notice also what Isaiah doesn't say. He doesn't say perfect peace for all whose minds are fixed on the good things. It's not that either, is it? It's not just think positively and you'll be at peace. Perfect peace is for those whose minds are fixed where? god well what does that mean what what does it mean to be fixed the hebrew word is the word samak and it literally means to lean on completely to fully rest oneself to fully depend on lean on to fully rest in god Isaiah tells us you'll be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on God. You'll be kept in perfect peace through resting in God. So what's your mind fixed on? As you come into this Christmas season, as you think back on the year that has been, on the month that has been, the week that has been, what is your mind fixed on? Where do the majority of your thoughts dwell? What has been your focus? What consumes your mind? Where does your mind often drift just as you go through the day? What do you focus on? Financial worries? Political division? Physical difficulties? Relational problems? Where is your focus? Perhaps you think about what's going wrong. What could go wrong? That's where you focus. What you don't like. Maybe you're consumed with dread, fear for one reason or another. What is mind fixed on? Maybe today, as you come into this. Room, this auditorium, this evening, you'd have to admit that peace is missing in your life. And perhaps, maybe more than perhaps, likely it's because of what you've had your mind fixed on. Do you remember what Paul encourages us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9? Do you remember? He challenges us finally brethren he says whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and what the God of peace shall be with you. We could say, in the place of and, then the God of peace shall be with you. We saw recently, as we looked at Philippians 4, 4 through 7, this idea that verse 6 is conditional, the peace of God which passeth all understanding is conditional on Being careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And Paul continues that thought here. Set your mind on these things. What's true, what's honest, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's of good report. Those things that are praiseworthy, those things that are virtuous. And he encourages us to listen to what he's taught, to follow his example in this, and then... The God of peace shall be with you. Do you know to be true of God? My God is good. My God is faithful. His promises are true. He never lies. His word never fails. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. When I'm lost, he's my guide. When I'm weak, he's my strength. When I'm hurting, he's my comforter. The Bible declares, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. And then he gives us a list of things in Romans chapter 8 and concludes again, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When you and I focus there, regardless of all that might be going on in our life, We can live in peace. And this peace doesn't make sense without Jesus. Here's what Jesus declared in John chapter 14 and verse 27. I think it'll be there on the screen for you. Jesus declared, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And do you remember when Jesus said that? If you understand the context here, you know John chapters 13, 15, 16, and 17 are all part of his teaching to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus was living in the moment, the hour for which he had come. He was living in the moment when he knew he would give himself. He'd be betrayed. He would suffer that agony and death. He would suffer the, the separation from his father as he took upon himself and in himself the sin of the whole world, and yet he declared to his disciples that he had peace to give to them. He didn't just say, I'm giving you a peace. He said, I'm giving you my peace. Again, peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God. Do you remember when the disciples were on the ship? And the big storm came. And in this particular instance that I'm thinking of, Jesus was sleeping on the back of the boat. The disciples begin to fear for their lives. They're freaking out. They're scared to death. While Jesus is back there sleeping on the boat. They wake him, Master, don't you even care that we perish? And Jesus stood up. And he spoke to the wind, to the storm, and he said, Peace, be still. You know, it's interesting if you think about it, you can't speak what you don't have. Jesus had peace so he could speak peace. And that is the peace that he offered to his disciples. That's the peace he offers to us. He is peace. And he gives to us his peace. Oh, the message of Isaiah again Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, it's easy perhaps to declare that we're at peace when things are easy, when life is comfortable. It's easy to praise God in those times. But the reality is, that's not real peace, just as it's not real praise. Real peace and real praise are those things that we experience and we do. form. That's the kind of praise the devil hates. That's the kind of praise that makes the demons flee. When you praise God as the person in Isaiah 25 and 26 was doing, even in the midst of tribulations... We can have the peace of God. It's not the world's peace, it's not a peace that the world can give, and it's a peace the world can't take away. Thou wilt keep peace whose minds on thee, because he trusteth in thee. What is your mind fixed on? What are you focusing on? What are you thinking about? What are you setting your mind upon? this Christmas season, we can experience perfect peace as our minds are stayed on God. because peace isn't found in the midst of, or in the absence of problems, it's found in the presence of God through the person of Jesus Christ.